Welcome to another thought-provoking episode of the Intentionally Spoken Podcast. I am your host and midwife in life, Shawan Sharika. I am excited tonight. I have a very special guest. She is my friend, my sister girl, my RW, my confidant, my vision, code, whatever, all that good stuff. And then we also enjoy Chip Chat too. Missy Era. the end result 
You know, it's one thing, it's a lot of content out there now on social media, and I'm talking about that as business because this is clearly something new for me, but just business in general, you know, we instantly want to have that clientele and, and business kick in so that there's monetary gain and all these other things, but at the same time, being true to who you are, right. being authentic in how you present yourself and your product, having the integrity and sustainability, true. Um, so it's just kind of like, how do you build that into like your own businesses and then your clients and stuff like that? Like, yeah, I think it's important to really know like who you are first, um, because I think that's important when you're trying to translate that into your brand. Like, you need to know who you are, yes. because it's so important. Um, you find yourself looking at everybody else and you find yourself trying to compare yourself to them. Yes. It's so easy to just get caught in and get kind of camouflaged in with everybody else and what they're doing. So I would say that's number one. Mm -hmm. And the danger of doing that too is that you do lose focus because you're yeah. so busy looking at what everyone else is doing when in reality your thing is your thing. So, but yeah. Absolutely. Um, what would be another thing? I would say also know what you do and what you do well. Mm. Yes. I think some of us are yes, because we're like, oh, let me do a little bit of this. Yes. It's like, no, do you yeah. and do it well. Exactly. Because you have to be, um, you can't be a jack of all trades, right? You have to be a master of one. Right. So if you're trying to be everything to everybody, you're going to fail. This is so true. You're going to fail. For Absolutely. So true. Absolutely. And sometimes that means, like, you know, taking a back seat, even being a visionary. You know what it is you want. And for me, I'm always grateful when I know, okay, so I can tell this person who's, who's specifically going to help me with this thing what the vision is and then be able to just hand it over. Look, this is yours. Right. This is what I see, but I'm giving it to you because I trust you to carry it out because you believe in the vision and you have to be a believer too. So with that as the, the undergird, I trust it, I let it go. Now, if you're a controlling person, I was going to say you have to learn how to let go because oh, that's geez. a whole other thing in itself. Yes, yes. So yeah, it can sponge your growth. It could truly just be the end all be all Absolutely. if not careful too. Yeah. What else do you think about that? How about relinquishing control? Mm -hmm. I think it's mm -hmm. definitely important. I work with so many business owners that can be micromanagers. Oh, and right. I know for me, I can't do it. Oh, because even when I worked in a nine to five, that was one of the reasons why I left. Yes. Because I had people kind of over top of me and it just started my growth. Answer. And I couldn't be free, couldn't right. let those creative ideas flow, yes. couldn't be innovative. Yes. And that's, that's right. why I said, okay, let me go do my own thing mm -hmm. so that I can be me. Yeah, just creative. Yeah. So, yeah, it's super important. If you don't know how to manage control, you're not going to be able to manage your time well. So I think sure. it definitely talks to how you manage your time. Absolutely. Being able to say, take this so I can do this over here. Yes. So, you focus on the thing you're good. <laughs> it's, it, 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 too, it truly, truly, for me, just makes a difference. I've learned so much this year, specifically. And even going back to starting so, you know, knowing that, if it was going to be anything, it couldn't just be me. So I know what I want to happen. I put that out there, put the people in place to run with it. That's your mastery, that's your expertise, this is your lane, and collectively it just works. But I think you do that really well. Oh, you do. You. Like, you know, you're not a oh. control freak to me. You're like, I'm not. I'm not. Like, <laughs> right, and you know that. Yes. 
Like, I don't want to answer to nobody. I don't want to write that when I get to vacation. Listen. So, that was my motivation. Mm. Mm. I'm inspired. Yes. Come on out here. Yes. Let's talk. (laughs) Come on out here. Let's talk about these sexual boundaries. Talk about being in these streets. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta stand for something or you fall for anything. Listen. As a single Christian woman, yeah. with all your values, all of that knowledge, capital. <laughs> Tell us about it, honey. Tell us about Sexual it. boundaries. This is an area. Um, this is an area. <laughs> so, um, so I had decided to, well, I've been single for six years and was celibate the same amount of years. And I started my journey um, not really know what I was doing. I just knew I was tired. About I was that. tired. Time change. Yeah, Time I was like, different. I can't do this by myself. Yeah. I was tired of doing it the way I was doing it before. Right. And I knew I had to do something different and something radical. How about that? So I decided to um, take the journey of celibacy. And I learned so much about myself. But the biggest thing I had to do was to make sure I had boundaries. Um, what was I willing to do? What was I not willing to do? What was I looking for in a mate? Mm-hmm. Um, I had to write a list, but not live by the list. How about more so have a foundation of what I wanted this person to be like. Right. Um, of course, they had to be someone who had a relationship with God, not just believe in God, yes. but had a relationship. Yes. Um, someone who also was walking the journey of purity or was open to it. Mm-hmm. And then also someone who would accept my son. As, you know, that's his home. So those were the three things I would kind of like a pre-interview yeah. to the interview. Yes. Yes. So I'm like, if you can pass this, it's pretty wet Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So yeah. Good stuff. Um, I know for myself, I, I always try to calculate how long I've been single. I've been single a long time. I'm sorry. Honestly. <laughs> Ex-husband creeped on the scene last year out of nowhere. I don't know. I'm like, where? Friendship that's already in place. Don't move forward. You know, I have to be able to meet my serious self, my spiritual self, and my business self. You know, I need to be my silly self. You know, all of me authentically, organically. My boundaries have truly come from kind of what you alluded to just learning myself, learning what was important. Prior to, I would say, the last 10 years, I, was, I felt like I was always in a relationship. If I wasn't almost married, I was married, or I was kind of married. Yeah. <laughs> Just something along those lines. And it was kind of, I remember, I believe it was June 2010, I was standing in the kitchen washing dishes after a really bad breakup. You know, you ever be with someone and it's like, you're doing cartwheels and flips. Hey, I'm here. I'm it, I'm wifey, I'm this, that, and the other. You're trying to prove who you are. And God literally said, Shawan, I am the one who will bring him to you. And when that happens, you won't have to do cartwheels and flips to show him that you are the one. Say it again. (laughs) It was like clear as day, almost as if he was standing in the doorway speaking it to me. I heard it clear as day. I literally stopped washing dishes and turned around. I was like, wait a minute. Someone standing here with me. But when I heard that, I said, you know what, God? From 
from here on out unless there is truly, truly, truly a desire of work moving forward. I'm not going to. So, of course I failed with that. Because <laughs> there's been some situations it along the way. Yeah. You know, and not because... Um, I can't even say, I think a lot of times people get caught up in thinking it's the flesh. It's not always the flesh because our heart plays tricks on us too. Mm, you know, that's good. things seems like they're going well. They see me, you know, okay, nice. He's not pushing up this way, you know, the way dudes before did. But just because the angle is different, it doesn't mean, or just because the name is different, doesn't mean that the angle is different. Right. It doesn't matter how young or old, you know, some people get stuck on age and all these different things that to me are circumstantial and, and situational at that point. It's truly the individual, like what is the condition of your heart? That's good. I literally had to tell someone, like, you know what, this you're you're cool, you're good, but you're not it. Mm. But he looked at me like, shit you tell me. So how is it always easy for you to tell like from the jump if they're it or not? No. Okay. It's not. However, there are generally at least three three to five instances where there's some type of hint or something okay. like, mm -hmm. where it's obvious, like oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that'll give me pause. I'm like, mm, let me make a mental note. Because I also believe that Perfection is not it either. Yeah. While I have a list of desires, I also know that I may have to deviate from one or two of those things in order to find the right person. Or when I meet him, he, he may not look as I have him to. You know, in my mind, I have my image. Yeah. I've seen one that was my image, and it was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We all have that ideal he, image. Look, listen, and it was crazy because it's like, Sir, like you were everything that I prayed for. God said I had to give you what you prayed for to let you know that's not what I have for you. Oh wow! <laughs> and when I tell you that one that cut deep, funny. like I could go on and on about stories, but in, and I had to truly just realize, Chuan, you have to come out of your box, you know, your box of what it looks like to you, and just be open. And I think that's what happens a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I'll meet someone and I'm like, okay, you know, you're out of my box. Let me. Who knows? Right. But three weeks in, mm, no, yeah. You're out of the box for a reason. <laughs> How important is attraction to you? Attraction is super important. Okay. Now, it's not always physical. Okay. However, there has to be an amazing smile. You have to smell wonderful. Yes, That's part of the attraction good. as well. You have to be, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Now, my aesthetic pleasing is usually a little different than others. Um, yeah. Everyone tells me that. But it's okay. 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 Oh, God. I'll resign. I want to know what they are. <laughs> because, I mean, everybody has, like, this definition of what normal yes. is. Like, like they're tall, dark, handsome, light skinny, curly hair. That's, like, so 80s. I'm it sorry. Is. <laughs> so 80s. Tell me, sir. I need to, first, I need to feel your essence. Mm -hmm. You know, what is your aura? What, what vibe, what is your spirit speaking to me at that right. moment? Um, your heart has to be in the right place. If I feel for any moment that you're trying to just get with me to get with me, mm -hmm. or you have an ulterior motive to get something else, mm -mm, no, I don't care how appealing you are. Exactly. You know, um, it has to feel good to my spirit. Yeah. 
and then later on other stuff will come. How about you? How about you? Attraction is important. I think sometimes, just as Christian singles, we feel like we have to settle mm-hmm. on the looks because we're Christian and we believe in Jesus. No, right? No. But I'm not doing no. that. No, 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 I'm not doing that. But you will meet people that are attractive and still are like, oh my god, trash. Trash. so trash. just throw them. Super pumped. Like, we could probably talk for another hour. 
Um, but thank you for joining me. Absolutely. I love you. I love you. I love you. I, love I appreciate you, you. I wish you all the best. All your endeavors. I got you back a thousand percent. I know you do. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. Bye. See you on the next episode of Intentionally Spoken with your girl, your host, your intentional midwife in life, Shawan Sharika. And this is my girl, Sibu. Sierra Smothers. Catch her on Instagram, Instagram, um, at your virtual clone. Yes. You can follow me on Facebook, Sierra Shanae. Um, I'm sorry, Sierra Smothers. You can also catch me on IG, Sierra Shanae. Yes. So, yes. yes, definitely follow me. Yes, good stuff. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Myself. What I 
give off is one, an indicator of the relationship I'm trying to nurture and cultivate, and two, what my parameters and boundaries are within that particular relationship and what I expect to receive in return. So one example for me is I, I'm, a, I'm a giver. So I don't look for anything in return, but who doesn't like to receive, right? I mean, it's just crazy to believe that you're just constantly giving and giving and giving and like no one's like, let me surprise you with this Eminem McFlurry. Like that would totally make my day. And anyone who knows <laughs> knows that I love Eminems and I love them in a McFlurry. So just simple things. It doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be anything grand. I'm not that person who has to have all of the labels and, and high designer, you know, high price tag things. Um, it's so funny because while dating someone once, they became really upset with me. It was around Christmas time and they wanted to buy me one of those Pandora bracelets. And I'm just like, mm, no thank you. Most people, most women would have been like, oh yeah, get that. I want this many charms, I want this, that. I didn't want it because I already knew there wasn't going to be a future there. God had already spoken to me and this was kind of like the interview. And, and not me interviewing him from me, but me interviewing the situation. And I didn't want to commit, not even a pants or a bracelet, to anything more because I already knew that there wasn't going to be anything grand that came out of this. It was the dating phase. It just happened to be around Christmas. And it was a nice gesture, but again, no thank you because I already understood the parameters that were in place and what I was expecting and wanting in return. And in my eyes, it wouldn't have measured up. The other piece to that is, is that sometimes people give so that they can talk about it. Don't do anything for me if you're gonna bring it up later. I'm sorry, just keep it. Keep it, I don't want it. I don't want my name and what you bought or did for me to ever come out of your mouth. Because if it doesn't happen from the heart, I don't want it. This also transcends into who I am on a day-to-day -day basis at work, um, also in ministry and in my business with women. I'm a leader from the heart, and this is something that recently resonated with me because sometimes you get frustrated in corporate America because things don't go the way you would want them to, and not me wanting from a personal place, but me wanting for my team to excel and be successful and the best thing possible for the outcome that we need based on whatever that measurable thing is. And a lot of times it's frustrating because I see a better way or a different way of doing things to get a grander and greater result, but it's not my job. I'm, I'm hired to operate in a role and a position, so I have to remember that. And what resonated with me about two months ago is that I lead from my heart, and that's why my leadership style is so much different than the others that I am paired with. It's different than my colleagues because everyone doesn't lead from their heart. Some people lead from a place of control. Some people lead from a place of, well, you know, let's do it this way because I said do it. And it's not about egos or pride or any of that stuff for me. It's truly about the relationship. And I realized because I'm so relational at the core, that's who I show up as regardless of where I am, whether it's at work, whether it's business, ministry, church, people, family, friends, in love, it doesn't matter. So I'm unapologetically a relational individual who leads from my heart and I do things from my heart because it feels good. Also, because growing up, I didn't necessarily have 
certain things as far as being validated in love and love and just owning value in who I am. Those are things that I learned as an adult. There was no one there to do that for me and to affirm who I was as I was growing up. So even now, as an adult, I find it very rewarding to be able to do that for other people. Even as adults, not just children, because everyone needs to know that they're doing well. Everyone needs to be encouraged and inspired in some way to know that you're doing the best you can. And if you aren't, tomorrow's another day. You try again. You wake up empowered and ready to do more and do better. That's what I'm supposed to do. In fact, that's what we're all supposed to do, all of us. You're supposed to empower people. Everyone that come in contact with you should leave your presence feeling better than when they came into your presence. That's a, listen, I, we're gonna make that a challenge for 2021. I need each and every one of you to get in your mind, heart, and space that every time someone leaves your presence, you want to make sure they're feeling better about themselves or feeling better than they did when they first entered your company. That's a great thing. That's rewarding. Honestly, that's the best form of giving. You're giving of yourself in a way that's intangible. And those things that are intangible, they don't die. They don't die. In fact, they seed and they grow and they expand. Because long after that moment, that person remembers what you said. They remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel in that moment. Sometimes all you have to do is just listen to a person. And it makes a Oh my goodness, the difference is ridiculous. You, you Have you ever been going through something and you just needed to, I call it dump, just had to dump on someone? <laughs> and it's just like, oh my goodness, you just talked for 40 minutes straight. But don't you feel so much better when that 40 minutes is over? You're like, oh God, I feel bad. I just ran my mouth for like 20 minutes straight. They didn't have a word in. But you feel so much better. Sometimes that's all you need to give. Give of your time, give of your presence, give of yourself, just to know that someone is listening and they're really taking you in. No one is listening to respond. They're not hearing you just because they have to. It's not an obligation or anything like that. They genuinely want to be there for you. Be that person. So a lot of what I do stems from what I didn't receive and didn't have as a child. So as an adult, I'm intentional. Um, Two of my most important relationships are my relationship with God and my relationship with my children. Those are two relationships that I nurtured and cultivated and fostered. Um, as an adult, honestly, I didn't know early on that my relationship with God, with God was even stronger than it was because I was that 12-year-old who would literally like highlight the Bible when I'm in church. I listened, I wrote notes in, you know, on the margin. Um, I was excited to go. I wanted to hear the word. And for most kids, you want to go to sleep when you go to church. For me, I was always in tune because I was like, wow, if God did that for that person, you know, and back in the day, people actually told testimonies, you know, and I always remember the church mothers would stand up, you know, if God don't do nothing else for me, he done did enough. He woke me up this morning, got me started on my way. I'm in my right mind, got clothes on my back, food on the table. And, you know, if we could just remember that type of testimony, oh, my God, what that would do for this century of people. Just think, even in the pandemic, there's still so many people who are complaining how can you complain and you've lived through 9, 10, 11 months of famine 
And when I say famine, I mean some people have, have had famine in wages. Their family looks different. Christmas is going to be really different for people this year. Very different. Not just financially, but just who's around the table, if you even have anyone around the table, because of social distancing. It's going to look really different. So you have to remember, your testimony is greater than what's happening. It's greater than you. You have to be able to tap into what's truly going on. Me being able to share my testimony at different places and times in my life has helped me to truly become and evolve to be the person that I've always wanted to be. I always knew something was missing. I didn't quite look and act like everyone that I grew up around. I didn't act like the people who raised me. I didn't look like them. Like I always felt out of place. For those of you who don't know, my mom passed away when I was seven. My dad was not in my life until I was, uh, what, 18, 19 years old. And so I, I, don't, I didn't um, grow up with any siblings, so I didn't have anyone to truly foster that family unit with. I was raised by my grandmother, aunt, uncle. They were around. Grandfather was around. But it was different. You know, my cousins were my playmates. My friends were my playmates. That means no one was always around me. But then the other thing is, is true is, is that when you're in situations and, and in families where there are strongholds and generational curses that come to steal, kill, and truly destroy who you are as a seven-year-old, not looking like, acting like, or feeling like you belong, and already not having the parentals around you, it's a scary place to be. But the one thing that I absolutely know is, is that as I began to grow and decide who I had to decide, yes, a decision, I had to decide who I wanted to be as an adult. And in doing that, I had to be intentional. I didn't always speak up for myself. Actually, I was a mute probably because I was afraid, the fear, you know. Um, and that was because of how I was raised. I was raised not to talk, you know, and if I did, then some things happened. So it, it made me become very closed off and sheltered to the place of being um, afraid to even feel like I, I valued myself or even wanted to speak up for myself. So in becoming an adult, I was intentional about how I wanted to raise my children. I didn't want them to ever, ever think that there would be a time that they wouldn't be able to talk to me, that they wouldn't be able to come and sit and, and be able to get a hug or a kiss or whatever. And let me tell you, the affection thing was really, really rough. My daughter, I remember, I think she was probably five or six. And because I didn't grow up with a lot of affection, I didn't know how to exhibit it. I knew we needed it. I knew we needed it. But I didn't know how to, what did that look like? It was kind of like, one of my favorite stupid movies is Step Brothers. And it's kind of like when they threw themselves on each other and they were like trying to hug and it was like real awkward. Like that's almost how it started because it was like, I know it's supposed to happen, but what does that look like and feel like? And then when you're not used to it, it's kind of like, ooh, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Like, does it fit? Are we doing it right kind of thing? So, you know, you have, I can laugh at it now because I was true, I knew. I knew that it was needed. I just didn't know how. But guess what? Practice makes perfect. And if they give me a hug now, I'm giving them a hug, you know. Um, so the funny thing about that is I would tell my daughter, if you feel like you want a mushy moment, and I would literally say mushy moment, just say mushy moment and then lean in for a hug. The most ridiculous thing that I could think of as an adult now.
but thinking about what it meant to me in that moment to be able to at least make the attempt to kill the generational stronghold, that there wasn't any affection or love, or I can count on one hand the number of times I was told I love you by the people who raised me. I didn't want that for my children. I wanted them to not be able to count. I want them to be able to know without a doubt because the minute you have to start counting something, that means it probably hasn't happened much. I wanted them to know beyond a shadow of doubt that I would be here and that they could come and talk to me. Like, so again, the relationships that I knew were most important to me was my relationship with God. And as an adult coming into being a parent, my relationship with my children. And when you are intentionally standing in those two places, family is my first ministry. And I knew it was the three of us. For seven and a half years, it was just my daughter and I. And I knew that there was a lot of stumbling there because those same things that happened to me as a child, I initially was letting them happen even as I was raising her. You know, as far as discipline and stuff like that, I didn't want her to be afraid of me. I can remember one day I went to reach for her to probably like put her jacket on or something and she kind of like flinched and I'm just like, oh God, I don't want that to be her reaction every time I reach out to her. I want her to, to be okay with me at least extending my arms and not automatically think, oh God, am I about to get hit or popped? So again, that was something I made a mental note about. There would be times where it was just like, oh God, that didn't feel good. And I didn't want that to continue. I knew that if it was going to change, it had to start with me. Had to start with how I was with my children, how I was intentionally going to show up for them because I knew one day they would grow up to be adults and I didn't want them to have to go through what I had to do to go through in order to become who I am becoming. Um, and I say becoming because I believe when you're growing and evolving as a person, it's a continual process. No one ever truly arrives. The only thing that I could possibly, possibly pray and ask for is, is that on my day of judgment that God says, girl, you kept me busy. I want him to be able to say that because I don't want to ever tap out on myself. If I stop, if I stop evolving and attempting to be better, then that means I'm okay that means I've become comfortable. That means I'm complacent. And I feel like I don't need to know anything else. I'm good how I am. No change is needed. And that's not true. That's a toxic way of thinking. It's a toxic way of living. And the truth is, you infect others just because. They become collateral damage. Because you're so stuck in your ways. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to change the trajectory of not just the family, but the legacy that my name leaves, that my children's names leave, that their children's children's names leave. I wanted to be able to stand for something that would be proud of in the end. There's nothing worse than going to a funeral, and the only thing that that obituary says is the person's day that they were born, the day that they passed, who their parents were, their siblings, if they had children, the schools they went to, and the job that they retired from if they worked. That's about a half a page if you type it in an 11 font. That's not what I want for my obituary. I want my dash to mean something. I want it to speak for me. 
I want my dash to be as powerful and meaningful as possible. And in doing that, that means I must be intentional in how I'm interacting with people. That means that my legacy must be alive even as I'm still here breathing. You understand? That means that each day I'm doing something to help to leave a good word behind for when I'm not here. How else better to do that than with your own seeds? I call my children my seeds because they are truly what I'm planting in the earth. It is my prayer that everything that I have sown into them will yield a harvest, a manifestation, and fruition will come to pass that will be grander than anything I ever knew. Let me tell you this, and I'll leave you with this moment. The one thing as a parent that you want to make sure your children know is, is that one, they matter. Two, everything you've been through was never ever because of them. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. And number three, no matter how old they are, they're still my babies. That's it. <laughs> That's what every, every parent and child needs. Those, those are your commissions. That's it. That they matter. No matter what, they're still your babies, and they can always be greater and grander. Because what I do know is, is that anything that I've been through, that means I've already stood in the gap for them. That means that everything that was sent to attack, kill, steal, and destroy Shawan won't hit my seeds because I've already conquered it. It's behind me, and it's under my feet. So it has no power, dominion, or authority over my seeds. And that's what I stand for. I hope that I have shared something to help you in your relationships with either business, personal, God, your children's family. Didn't talk about love too much, but let me just say this, as I said in the beginning, love languages exist in every relationship. Just be intentional about how you show up, what you're putting out, what you're sowing your time in, what you allow into your gateways, your mouth, your eyes, your ears. Be sure to taste your words before you speak them, because if they're bitter coming out, they're going to be sourly received. I thank you for joining me for another episode of Intentionally Spoken Podcast. I am your host, your girl, Shawan Sharika. Join me next week. Have a good one. I can make it. I can take it.